Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 22, How to Deal with Uncertain Times. It's January 12, 2021. I'm your host, Lisa Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and podcaster. And what I do is I help people be well-loved, happy, and healthy, even when life is very difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way, and my music is by Howie Moskovich. How to deal with uncertain times? Well, we're in a long pandemic and things are very uncertain. They're uncertain for lots of reasons and in lots of categories. So that makes things hard. And many people don't have strong muscles or skills when it comes to uncertainty. And and uncertainty, by the way, causes a lot of people to become fearful or depressed or filled with anxiety or anger or be resentful. There's a whole host of negative emotions that can show up when life becomes uncertain because you're not sure what's going to happen and there's a loss of control. So this podcast is primarily designed to help you feel better and it's also designed to help you get into action, to do things that are going to calm you down and be helpful to you to be very functional even when things are up in the air and uncertain. And I have (laughs) a lot of experience about living life when it's uncertain, so I'm very practiced at that. Sadly, I know that's not a good thing. All right, so here's what I'm going to cover in this podcast. I'm going to start with examples of hardship or uncertainty that are found normally in life without a pandemic. I'm going to briefly touch on some of the issues with uncertainty. I'm going to talk about what happens when hardship or uncertainty hits you. I'm going to talk about the controllables, counterbalancing the negative, some do's and don'ts for challenging times. One important step that I think everyone should take without question and without exception And then I'm going to give you uh, steps to take during uncertain and challenging times, some takeaways, and then a call to action. So my start my podcast with the shameless plug to visit my website because you can win cool prizes every month until the until July 2021. So why not? The next thing that's very important for me to have you understand is that I'm not a medical health professional or therapist in any way, shape, or form, you want to get your medical or therapy advice from a licensed healthcare professional or a licensed therapist. So I am none of those things and don't pretend to be. The next very critical thing I need to mention is that if you are feeling suicidal, if you're thinking about harming yourself, or you've reached a low level of hopelessness, I'm asking you as a personal plea to please call the National Suicide 
Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. I'm asking you to talk about it. I'm asking you to tell people. I'm asking you to let people know. And I understand if you're feeling suicidal, that's probably the last thing that you feel like doing. But please do it and or put it on social media. I mean, people will help you and there is help available. All right, so the next point I want to talk about is things in life without a pandemic. So prior to the pandemic, there's many things that cause life to be very uncertain and very difficult. So we just want to kind of get grounded in the fact that being in a pandemic has just kind of piled on or ramped up or increased the level of hardship and uncertainty. But there are many things that are life uncertain, like having someone uh, pass away, whether that's a loved one or friend, losing a job causes uncertainty, financial problems or bankruptcy, divorce, abusive or toxic relationships, not having the basics like food, housing, or security. Health problems can make life very uncertain. Being a caregiver of any kind. Losing people to suicide in particular makes life uncertain and certainly hard. Having your money stolen, being exploited or betrayed, traumatic accidents of any kind, loss of a pet, dealing with a special needs child or adult and the challenges that brings never getting married if you wanted that, never having children if you wanted that. Other other broken dreams or unfulfilled expectations can lead to uncertainty and dealing with someone who has an addiction problem, whether it's drugs or alcohol. So even without a pandemic, there are many things, I just listed off 18, that cause life to be uncertain because you just don't know how it's going to turn out or what's going to happen. So that's just really, in my opinion, really helpful to just know, like life is, there's a certain amount of uncertainty to life. And then there's a certain amount of things that you can do about that. So here are some issues with uncertainty, because I believe personally, it's a little helpful to understand some of the framework. So uncertainty brings with it or means like a loss of control over your life. And we, we human beings like to have control over our lives and we like to have some predictability. The other aspect of uncertainty is it can be related to an expectation that's not met or an expectation that goes unanswered or unfulfilled. And when you have an expectation, say you're ex expecting to be paid on Friday and you don't get paid on Friday, the only place you can be left is with an upset. So uncertainty uh, is kind of wrapped up sometimes with unfulfilled expectation. And the other kind of issue in the framework of uncertainty is that it's not a skill set that a lot of people have because thankfully, thankfully, you know, they've had a little bit more stability or predictability in their life. And the other piece of the framework of, of uncertainty is it typically drives up negative emotions. And I'm going to talk about that, but it can leave people in a very, very bad place and send them down the rabbit hole. Now, there are skills, habits, attitudes, practices, and beliefs that will support you and nurture you when life is uncertain, unrelated to a pandemic or while we're in a pandemic. 
So what happens when hardship hits you? What happens to you when life is uncertain? Well, that depends. That depends on you and your skills and abilities. What it also depends on is how functional you were in life prior to the uncertainty or prior to the hardship or prior to whatever's going on. And there is a scale for how functional you are in life, which is the Global Assessment of Functioning Scale, abbreviated GAF, which they're now kind of stepping away from and using more of the HUDA scale. But the GAF scale kind of gives you a ranking or rating, it's like from 0 to 100, of how, how functional you are in life. And the more functional you are in life, like if you're going to be very functional, then you're going to get a score of like 91 to 100. That means you're going to be able to, to have resilience and deal with problems. So how you function and how, what happens to you when hardship hits is completely dependent upon how functional you are. And that depends on your coping mechanisms. It depends on your habits, your practices, your attitudes, your beliefs, you know, it depends on many things. So what happens to most people or more people when hardship hits is they have emotional overload or they have emotional shutdown. They uh, increase unhealthy behaviors like eating more, drinking more, smoking more, or addictions. They have increased feelings of depression, anxiety, fearfulness, anger, resentment, sadness, and they can get very stuck. They can get in a very, very bad, dark place. So this is what we're going to address because you don't have to be stuck there. And I have a little sidebar note on anger, and there's a lot of anger in the country and the world right now for good reason. I have a podcast on anger and how it can help you heal and putting it to good use. So if you're, if you're listening to this podcast and you know that you're angry about the pandemic or angry about this or that or something, you know, whatever, then, you know, you might want to listen to the anger podcast because anger can be used, you know, to, to the good and it's really important. You don't want to let it fester. So your response to, you know, what, how you're going to do when hardship hits or uncertain time hits you have a lot more control over that than you think. Now, we don't have any control over the pandemic, and we don't have control over things being you know, shut down or what the government does or what have you. So I want to talk to you briefly about the controllables because these are the things. This is the area. These are the areas that you actually have control over, and that can make an incredible incredible difference in your life. So these are the things that you actually control. So number one, you can control what you think and your thoughts. Now that's easier for some people than others, but in generally speaking, you can, if you don't know how to control what you're thinking and your thoughts, you can learn to do that. You can control what you do. In other words, you have control over your actions. You absolutely control what you read, what you listen to, what you watch. You control how you spend your time. Now, if you're working, obviously, you, you know, you don't control that, but you have, you know, 
you have free time. You have control over how much self-care and self-compassion you engage in. You control who you talk to. You control the goals you set and then take actions to fulfill. You control your environment. Now that may vary depending on your circumstances. You, you have the ability to control your emotions. Now, I have a sec my second podcast is emotions as your superpower. And I do understand in saying you control your emotions that many people don't have control over their emotions because it's not a skill set that they have learned, but you can learn to control your emotions because either you're controlling them or they're running the show. You can control your boundaries. You can control your diet, your nutrition, and your sleep, your attitudes, your beliefs, your self-discipline, which is a muscle you can grow if you're lacking, your gratitude, which is also a muscle. I have a podcast on that that you can grow and develop, and your willingness. This last one is you control your willingness to grow and change. You control your willingness to learn new things. You control your willingness to make a decision about, hmm, yeah, I think I, I could probably have a more empowered life. Hmm, I could probably do better in self-care. Hmm, yeah, like you control your willingness to grow and develop. So that is roughly 16 controllables. That's a lot of things. You really have more control than you think, even if you're in a very bad circumstance, which I would know about. Um, you know, we don't talk about certain things, but you get the idea. All right. So now I want to give you a little technique I call counterbalancing the negative. So we're, I'm going to cover this technique because I think, first of all, it's awesome. And secondly, it's really powerful, like really powerful. And I absolutely use this technique. So what do I mean by counterbalancing the negative? Well, exactly what it says, offset the negativity. So I used this technique when I was dealing with three very bad concurrent traumas that I that were not under my control. And I, I did what I could, but you know, when things aren't under your control, you can only control what you can control. So back in the day, this was 2003, it was actually my mom who suggested it because she knew, she knew what I was dealing with that I go join Toastmasters International. Well, I'd never even heard of Toastmasters International. So I said, well, what is that? And she said, well, it's public speaking. And I was like, oh, I lit up like a little Christmas tree because I love public speaking. Now, I know most of you listening to this podcast are not like, oh, yeah, I want to do public speaking because I understand it's like the number one fear in the world people have is public speaking. But I've been doing it for a very long time. It was I'm like, you know, fish in water when it comes to public speaking. I love it. It's my thing. It's been my thing for a long time. So I joined Toastmasters International in 2003, which was a huge counterbalance to the negativity because I love public speaking. And not only do I love public speaking, but Toastmasters has been around forever, like since the 1930s. So they have a very well run setup for toast for toastmasters and public speaking 
And the people in Toastmasters are just amazing. They're like really great people. Okay, 99% of them. You know, there's a bad apple in every, in every barrel, but, but it was like amazing. It was a huge counterbalance to the negativity that I was dealing with. So they do say in, in some sources that it takes seven positives to offset one negative. I'm not saying that's a fact. But I think you get the idea that, you know, sometimes you need a lot of positives to offset the negativity. So when times are difficult, you know, what, what, would, what does that mean to you to counterbalance the negativity? Well, for me, another example is, you know, sometimes I just say to people who are bringing up a negative topic or a negative subject, I will say, look, my life is too hard right now, or that that's too much of a negative subject for me, I can't go there. And sometimes people who are a little less self-aware will say, oh, and they're just going to persist, and then I'll say, oh, no, wait, stop. My life has too much negativity, that's a negative subject for me, I'm not going there, no, and, and be firm about it. I mean, I've actually literally had to do that with some people, and... Um, so when we when I talk about counterbalancing the negativity, it's intentional actions that you're going to take. You're going to take intentional actions to bring positive things into your life, to bring happiness into your life, to bring joy into your life, to bring things into your life that you really love. Now, if you don't have hobbies, I would highly suggest that. Um, a lot of my podcasts will help you in becoming more assertive and things that will help you to, to start to counterbalance the negativity. But when you're in uncertain times or when life is really hard, I really implore you to use the technique of counterbalancing the negativity, negativity by intentionally putting actions into your life that will make you happy. Now, sometimes that means you have to sit down take a piece of paper out or do it on your device, your laptop, whatever, and say, hmm, what would really make me happy? And make a list. And then start doing what's on the list or adding what's in the list into your life. I mean, listen, I, I do everything that I suggest to you guys because I'm practiced in this. And it really works. I mean, I, I went and, and babysat a friend's kid so she and her husband could go out to dinner and I could play with her kids and do arts and crafts because it was a way to counterbalance the negativity in my life at that time, the negativity that I couldn't control. And it was amazing. I actually did it more than once, at, you know, because I love kids. I love arts and crafts. And it was nice to be able to have my friend go out to dinner with her husband, you know, go on a date night. So, you know, you might have to, like, sit down and make a list. Hmm, what would help me counterbalance the negativity of the pandemic or of that I lost my job or, you know, all the things that are going on. So the next thing I'm going to cover before I get into some steps are some general do's and don'ts when life is challenging, very hard or uncertain. And these are my like rules, if you will. I mean, they're not rules for you because you get to pick and choose what rules you have for you. But number one is to turn off the news. I don't care what's going on. If life is hard and you're struggling, you do not need the news, period. Trust me. If something happens, someone will call you. They will text you. They will let you know. 
Now in 2001, you know, when 9-11 happened, of course I didn't have the news on because, you know, I was in the middle of some very, very bad times. Of course I know not to watch the news. And someone called me and said, are you watching the news? And I said, well, of course not. Of course not. Like people who know me know I'm pretty much newsless. And, and people will let me know what's going on because they know I'm newsless. And instead of watching the news, which is not going to make you feel better, you know, watch something inspiring. Watch something that'll make you laugh. You know, there's plenty of things you can do instead of watching the news that are going to make you feel better. And trust me, people will be in touch. And especially if you let people know. I mean, people know, as a matter of fact, that I'm fairly newsless. Um, and people let me know things. But the news does not make people feel better. It makes them feel worse. The next kind of suggestion or one of my rules is don't skip your shower or your bath or bathing or cleaning up. Listen, everybody knows if you take a hot shower or bath, you know, you're going to feel better. And when life is very uncertain, very challenging, or very hard, you need every little trick in the book. You do. You need every little trick. And I've talked to people and they're like, oh yeah, I haven't had a shower in three days or I haven't, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, start getting on your self-care. The other thing I suggest, I know, you guys probably think I'm crazy, is get out of your pajamas or your sweatpants all day and get into your regular outside clothes. You'll feel more normal and, you know, it's, it's better for you. Along with those other suggestions is don't stop your grooming. So whether that's your hair or makeup or, you know, shaving or whatever, you're going to, the better you look, the better you're going to feel. The other suggestion here in my kind of rules is, you know, like don't binge on TV or, you know, some streaming platform all day if you're not working because that's not going to leave you feeling good. It's kind of like a numbing technique or, you know, kind of a mindless, spaced out activity. But you're going to probably not feel so hot after you've wasted the whole day. So what you could do instead is limit your time to, you know, well, I'm going to do X and then I'm going to reward myself with an hour of the show or that program or what have you. But binging on TV, streaming platforms, or whatever all day is just going to not make you feel better. The next rule I have is, is uh, limit your interactions with negative people or negative situations because they're draining. So instead of that, you know, put more inspiring, positive people into your life. And I know it can be difficult to limit interactions with some people in your life. But it's possible, and sometimes it's really the thing to do if you want to take care of yourself. My next rule is pity parties cannot go on all day or be prolonged. You know, everybody is entitled to pity parties, but you want to make sure that your pity parties are reasonable and not extended. So you might need to set a timer and say, okay, I'm going to have a 10-minute pity party or, or what have you, but it can't go on and on and on. The next rule for me is, is worrying is just not a good use of time or energy. Worrying doesn't make you feel good in any way, shape, or form, and it doesn't produce a result. Now, you can use worrying 
to figure out, hmm, what could I do if that happened? Or what, what could I do to prevent that? Or you can use worry as an exercise to start planning and taking action, which is then using worry for the good. But instead of worrying, if you focus on building and creating your life to what you want it to be, that's going to give you actions to take. And when you're taking actions and you're involved in, you know, making your life better, self-improvement, empowerment, you're not going to have the capacity to, or hopefully not, to also be worried. So um, the next thing is to... Um, Instead of just sitting around, you know, feeling sorry for yourself and not really accomplishing much, one technique to feel better is to just do something. It could be, you know, the call you need to make or an appointment you need to make or throw a load of laundry in or, you know, clean up this or that. When you start engaging in doing something, you are going to feel better because you're being productive instead of just sitting around. Now, the other thing that's a rule for me or, you know, a suggestion here is being bored is not, is not empowering in any way. We have a lot of boredom right now because of the pandemic. So the suggestion I have is, you know, get engaged in a hobby. And if you don't have one, there's never been a better time. I mean, if you have the time to, to have a hobby. Because hobbies are phenomenal. I'm a big, big, big hobby fan. I have like too many hobby accessories and equipment. But I, I love hobbies. I have actually a blog post and a YouTube video about it. Because I'm like a major fan. So the other thing is, as a rule for me, and you know, when you get better and better with your emotions, then you're going to start to recognize when you're feeling anxious, fearful, or afraid. And those emotions, when you can recognize that you're feeling, you know, anything negative, you know, they're not, they're not, they don't make you feel good. So the thing to do, you want to counterbalance those by either praying or meditating or doing something to, you know, improve your mood. As I already mentioned, it's really important to deal with your feelings of anger because if you're have anger and you don't address it, it's either going to turn inwards or outwards, as I talk about in my podcast. The next kind of suggestion or rule in challenging, uncertain, and difficult times is whatever happened has happened, so it's time to get over it and move on. Now, I don't mean get over it <clears throat> without dealing with your emotions about it. No, 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 no. I, you know, you have to <clears throat> learn, in my opinion, to deal with your emotions. So when I say whatever happened, you know, is water under the dam, get over it, move on. I'm meaning saying that, that you have already identified, managed, and processed your emotions. Because sometimes people just, you know, become the victim or they blame or, you know, all these things, and that's just not helpful. So you want to deal with your emotions and then be able to move on and, and not be stuck in in inertia. The other thing is, you know, denial is not helpful. It's It can be helpful in the beginning of something, but, you know, prolonged denial isn't good. So just deal with your problems. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of dealing with your problems because I deal with my problems. And whining and complaining you know, it's not going to get you anywhere and it's not going to solve your, your problems. So the next thing before I get into the 
the tips are uh, steps to take to, to feel better as a rule and, and grow the muscle of dealing with uncertain and difficult times is one important, I've labeled it one important step that I think everyone should take. And I'm, I'm so not kidding about this because this step, this action, this process, if you take it, is going to make you feel better forever. It really will. So what, what am I talking about? Well, I happened upon the step by accident about approximately 20 years ago when I innocently took my then, you know, four-year-old, I think, son to a fire station open house that was across the street from where we lived. He happened to pick up, a, I think it was an American Red Cross pamphlet about being prepared. And I, you know, we just, I mean, I just took my son to this little open house and, you know, they have little pencils and little bags to put your little brochures and stickers in. I mean, very cute, fun thing. And the fire trucks are out. Very, very fun little event. And I didn't anticipate that it would ever, you know, be monumental. But we got home. <clears throat> he was a early reader. So we started reading the Red Cross Be Prepared pamphlet. And he was just, you know, quite animated and very excited. He said, oh, oh, we need to do this. Look, look, there's a checklist. Let's do this. And his little young voice, it was so adorable. And I was like, hmm. So I started reading the Red Cross. I think at that point it might have been a Red Cross and FEMA joint brochure, you know. But in any case, and I was like, wow, hmm, this is probably a good idea. Probably a very good idea because I had you know, two kids at that time with food allergies. And if there's a disaster, hurricane, tornado, what have you, what do you think the Red Cross and FEMA are going to have trouble with? Feeding kids with food allergies. Yeah, of course, especially if you have tons of food allergies. I mean, it might be easier now because now we have labeling laws and, you know, products are labeled and more companies are getting hip to. This is a big problem. But this was like 20 years ago. And we didn't even have the food labeling law back then. I mean, you know, I'm talking about Pioneer and massive allergies. So we set upon and embarked on putting together this emergency kit as FEMA and the Red Cross have been advocating. By the way, FEMA was established in 1979. This was the early to like 2000. So the Red Cross and FEMA have been advocating this for a long time, but most people don't do it. So when I did it, it was really kind of a lark because my oldest son was so excited about it. He just thought it was like cool. Like, you know, little kids think, think like little kids think post-it notepads and staplers are, are cool. So I thought as a, as a parent of, you know, two kids with food allergies, yeah, this is probably a very smart idea for me to do. Little did I know that in 2007, you know, roughly seven years later, Buffalo, where I was living at the time, would be hit with what's called what was known as the October Surprise, which was basically an ice storm in, two, in October that froze the trees, then the trees split, power was down all over, you couldn't get gas, you couldn't get groceries, and uh, our power was actually out for 18 days. But I had food, you know, we had a little propane, like, grill to cook it, you know, to cook things on. Um, we minimized opening the freezer. I did end up, by the way, going out and buying a generator because 
everybody else's power was coming on, but ours was not coming on. And after, I don't know how many days, it was like, no, we can't, we can't deal with this. Um, anyway, so here's the thing. So FEMA's been advocating to be prepared since, you know, the early 80s, say, if they were established in 1979. The Red Cross has been doing it, however. You can go online and look up all the different things they tell you to put together in case of emergency. Because there's all kinds of, you know, weather, storms, like, all kinds of stuff can happen. And why not? Because what I promise you is if you do it, you are going to have a sense of security and a sense of confidence, and it's going to give you peace of mind. When life is hard, when life is challenging or very difficult, and life is uncertain, peace of mind becomes like primo. It's really important. So you can go online, FEMA or the American Red Cross, they've got all kinds of downloadable instructions about what they recommend that you have in place in case of an emergency. And I'm simply recommending this because it's a step to give you peace of mind when life is uncertain. Everything you do that helps your mind and your emotions is important. So that's my thing that I do personally believe everyone should do, not just people with food allergies, but it's just a good thing because, you know, it lessens the burden for FEMA and the Red Cross, as we've seen in all the different hurricanes and storms and whatnot, you know, that have happened over the last, well, 20 years since I've been paying attention. All right, now I'm going to cover the top 14 steps to take in uncertain or challenging times. These are the steps that are going to help you grow and develop and be more functional. Remember earlier when I was talking about when, what happens to you when hardship hits or uncertainty hits, well, it depends on how functional you are. All of these steps are going to help you be more functional, build your resilience, and help you so you have the high end of the GAF scale instead of the middle or lower range. So number one, my suggestion or the step first step is to commit yourself to growth and development. All of my material is about growth and development, being happy, being functional, being mentally healthy and well. So there's tons of materials. But my first suggestion under committing yourself to growth and development is to commit yourself to be well loved. That's the title of my first podcast, Be Well Loved. And I'm a fan of that. And tragically, we have probably more people who don't feel well loved or actually haven't been well loved in their lives. So why not make it your number one goal in life? Like life is hard right now. It's very uncertain. You know, we don't know how things are going to go and what's going to happen next. Why not take a bold step, commit yourself to growth and development, and under that commitment, commit yourself to be well loved. You know, growth and development is the access to an easier life. It's the access to making more friends and having more friends. It's, it's an access to health and wellness. And on top of it, people, it's really fun. I mean, anything, you can make anything fun, and I'm a fan of fun. So commit yourself to growth and development. Number two, self-care and self-compassion on a daily basis. Part of being functional in life, part of being able to be resilient 
and, and go on when life is uncertain is your ability to take care of yourself. And unfortunately, if you look at society in the world, given, you know, obesity rates, the number of people who require medications, you know, we are living in the most unhealthy times of humanity, I think, in my opinion. I think that I think the statistics would bear that out. And so you don't have to look very far to see data points and evidence that we're not taking care of ourselves and we're not engaging in self-compassion. So I have a whole podcast on self-care and self-compassion. And to me, this is not optional. When I do life coaching with people, self-care and self-compassion are not optional. Because I don't, I don't understand how you can be mentally healthy and well and happy if you're not taking care of yourself. And there's a lot of different components to self-care. Self-compassion, by the way, if you're new to that, is basically taming your inner critic. And I talk about that in the podcast. I also have a blog post, blog post on self-care and a blog post on self-compassion and, and a YouTube video on each of those subjects. So, you know, this is not like something to skip over. Like, why wouldn't you want to take care of yourself? You're going to feel better. Remember, everything is about like having you, helping you feel better, but it's also about helping you be more functional in life because you want to be functional in life. It's like way more cool and fun to be functional in life so that you can deal with uncertainty. All right, so the next suggestion, which actually is kind of like a subset of self-care, but but I have it listed as um, number three, which is to walk or exercise. Now, I am very familiar that, you know, a certain percentage of the population or a certain percentage of, of you listening to this podcast have mobility issues. Okay, so walking or, you know, that's that's not going to be an option for you. But what kind of exercise could you do? Because your body is very much like a car. The more you use it, and, and of course, in the right, good, in a good way, the better it's going to perform. I mean, cars, if they've sat in a garage for a year, are extremely unlikely, maybe almost impossible, that, that a car will start. You know, might not even start after six months. Cars need to have the fluids in them circulating every so often to function efficiently. And your body's the same way. You know, it's good for your lymphatic system. You know, so walk or exercise. You can make this part of your self-care. You can make it fun. Listen to music, walk with a friend, you know, or your, your dog if you have one. You know, you can, you know, just like make it a priority because it's important to you. The next number four is deal with your emotions. Now, I already mentioned my second podcast, Emotions as a Superpower. And I really hope, you know, you will take that on because either you are managing, you're identifying, managing, and processing your emotions, or you're at the whim of your emotions. And many people, they're at the whim of their emotions and they don't even know how to, to do it any other way. It's just... We don't teach young people, oh, here's how to use your emotional guidance system and here's how to have emotions as a superpower. Now, we have a, a society and a world where there's lots of anger that people are not claiming, owning, and I have a whole podcast on anger, as I mentioned before, um, that you know are engaged in passive-aggressive behavior or they're not dealing with their sadness. So emotions can take you out of the game of life. They just can. People get emotionally overloaded or they get emotionally shut down or their lack of ability to deal with their emotions cuts them off from love, cuts them off from friends, 
cuts them off from life. So emotions are, without a doubt, something that you want to grow. And by the way, it's called emotional intelligence when you have high ability with your emotions. When, you, when emotions are a superpower, that means you have high emotional intelligence. And there are books on emotional intelligence. There's plenty of stuff on the web. But you've got to learn to deal with your emotions. Now, while you're starting to grow your emotions, because this is a skill set that you have to learn, and as I talked about in the anger podcast, I didn't know that I had no anger skills until 2006. And it was like, I just will not forget the moment when it was like, oh my gosh, wow. Like I, you know, and I said about learning about anger. So you don't want to make yourself bad or wrong if you're not, if you don't have high emotional intelligence. If you don't have it, you don't have it. I mean, hey, I just told you, I didn't know about anger skills until 2006. And then I was like, woohoo, good for me. And I, and I, of course, made it fun to embark upon how was I going to learn about anger skills by calling all my friends going, oh, I just realized I don't have anger skills. And some of my friends were like, oh, I don't think I have them either. You know, so like make it fun. But while you're learning to grow your emotional intelligence or grow your emotions so that they are a superpower, one technique I, re I recommend is called flipping the switch on your emotions. So if you notice you're in a funk, you're not having a good day, you're in a bad spot, go do something, take an intentional action that will make you feel better. It's called flipping the switch on your emotions. Now, I don't know that anybody else calls it that, but that's what I call it. And it is extremely effective. Like I could be like crying and then I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I better go do something and like pick something that I know is going to make me feel better. And then you get, your mind gets distracted. It's a very, very effective uh, technique. Now it's a stopgap measure. So this is not a permanent thing. It doesn't solve your problem. It just takes your mind off of whatever made you cry or upset or whatever. And then you get, your mind is distracted and you actually do something productive or something that makes you happy or whatever. And then you know, you can get back in the game of life. So that's dealing with your emotions. They really, that's not optional. It's just not optional. Like, how can you live life without your emotions? Well, people are living life with their emotions, but their emotions are controlling them and they're not having the best quality of life. All right, the next thing on my steps for uncertain times or challenging times is negativity and pessimism have to go. The research is clear. The research is compelling. Negative thinking, pessimism are bad for your health. They're bad for your mental health, your psychological health, your physical health. It's not an attractive quality that people want to be friends with people who are pessimists. And like nobody likes Debbie Downer, if you know Debbie Downer from, I think, Saturday Night Live. The other piece about negative thinking or pessimism is if you're engaging in negative thinking or pessimism, you're using what's called the self-defeating prophecy instead of the self-fulfilling prophecy. So I have a video on each of those, the self-fulfilling. Oh, I think I only have a video on the self-fulfilling prophecy, but um, I do cover it also in my uh, psychology terms everyone should know podcasts because I I'm a, I'm a huge fan that we need more people understanding basic psychology because it's really helpful it can be really helpful to help you like not make mistakes and anyway so negative thinking pessimism that includes overthinking catastrophizing worrying too much all of that has to go and there are books like the book um 
The Power of Positive Thinking. That's a classic. I think it was written in the 1950s. There are things to help you, you know, convert, make the change. We're talking about change here to uh, positive thinking. Because if you're using the self-defeating prophecy, you are just shooting yourself in the foot. Now, you might want to understand that psychology. All right. So the sixth step or a point is to start directing your life. I'm a huge fan of having a life plan, a bucket list, a vision, or goals. Why? Because when people take actions that they've chosen, it helps them feel like they're back in control of their life. And what happens that we already talked about in the framework of uncertain times is there's a lot, there's a loss of control. So to counterbalance the negativity of loss of control, the thing to put in is more control. And how you can do that is by start directing your life. So whether it's a few small goals or you could, you know, dream big, think big. And of course, I'm a fan of thinking big too. Of course, I'm also a dreamer, but what can I say? Um, but go for things that are going to inspire you. You want to be inspired because that's going to feel good. Like, oh, yes, when I get this done or when I accomplish this or when whatever, you know, like have it be something that you are going to be really like excited and happy about. Then you set your goals or your vision or your bucket list or whatever you're going to label it or call it or do it. And then you start taking actions. That is going to make you feel better because you've set a goal or, you know, your vision, and then you're taking actions that line up with that. That is going to help you feel better, and it's going to give you, you're actually going to be taking back control of your life, which is really called for when times are uncertain. Next suggestion, number seven, is to improve your nutrition. Now, this actually does fall under self-care as well, but it's important enough that I listed it separately. So, you know, there are lots of things you can do to improve your nutrition. The issue that I see as a health and wellness expert by the school of hard knocks, by the way, like horrendously hard knocks, is that the majority of people don't really understand the role that nutrition plays in cancer and the role that nutrition plays in preventing diseases and disorders. So here's a couple of few things that you could do to improve your nutrition. Number one, you could just reduce your sugar intake. Number two, you could eat more fruits and vegetables. And if you don't like doing that, well, you can drink V8 Fusion without the fake, you know, fake stuff, but the VA Fusion has like, a, I think a serving, one fruit and one vegetable in an eight ounce serving. You could eat less processed carbohydrates. You could drink more water. You could take vitamins and minerals as supplements. You could eat more natural foods. The more you improve your nutrition, the better you will feel. I've worked with enough people to know that's a fact. And it actually sometimes surprises people the results that they get from either changing their diet, well, actually changing their diet is, is pretty strong, but sometimes it's their vitamin or nutrient deficient, and then they start taking a supplement, and they can't even believe, you know, how much better they feel. <clears throat> so improve your nutrition. The next, number eight, is to grow, <clears throat> grow your muscle for gratitude. I know when life is uncertain and life is hard or very crushing or very difficult, it's hard for people to feel grateful. I understand that. 
I'm very well in tune with a life filled with hardship. And I'm also well informed and attuned to what it takes to flourish during difficult times and uncertainty. I have a whole podcast about the miracles of gratitude because the research on gratitude is just, oh, it's stunning. It's really great. So you can listen to my podcast on the miracles of gratitude. You can look stuff up online. Um, but the bottom line is this is a muscle. It's a habit. It's an attitude. It's a practice that you can grow and develop. You want to feel better. You want to take control of your life. Ha building your muscle for gratitude will help you. Number nine is to do things that make you happy. Now, I coach people, and I've been doing it for long enough. When I ask people, okay, what's what? what are the things that make you happy? Most people simply don't know. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with not knowing the answer to a question. But the question is, what makes you happy? Well, when I work with people, typically, when I ask them to start talking about what makes them happy, the things that, that they start saying are all the things that make them unhappy, which is just interesting to notice. But you want to make a list of things that make you happy, and then you want to sprinkle your life with it. You want to sprinkle your day. You want to have some happiness when life is uncertain and hard. How about like you want to have happiness all the time? I don't know, or you just could be unhappy, but you have to be intentional when it comes to happiness. You have to sort out what are the things that make you happy. In the process, you will most likely bump up against the things that make you unhappy, so those are the things you want to avoid. And you've got to be intentional, put those in, things in your life. Now, I have a, oh, a blog post and a YouTube video about the skill set that I call learning to generate your own happiness, so that might be helpful. And I have some other podcasts that would probably be helpful. So number 10 is to use a reward system to motivate yourself. Now, I do talk about the reward system in depth or, you know, in more depth in my podcast on how to motivate, how to be motivated during difficult times. So I'm not going to dwell on that here. But basically, you know, re personal reward systems, I'm talking about something you design yourself, are very effective. If you have to have the, if you have to have the right rewards, people, of course. But grab a friend and get motivated. Get yourself a reward system because you're going to be much more successful. My next suggestion is to make new friends or make more friends. Most people, if they could be honest, would admit that they could either use more friends or they could use better friends. And there's nothing wrong with admitting that you need more friends or better friends. And I have a whole series of just lots of information about friends and friendship uh, throughout most of my materials. But friends can help you be well-loved. Friends can, you know, cheer you on. There's everything that's amazing about friends. Now, you do have to have good friends. I'm not talking about users, backstabbers. But I have a whole section about friends and friendship on my YouTube channel. So those videos will be helpful. But you got to have friends and you got to have good friends. And even some of us old people have to wake up one day and go, hmm, boy, they're really not that nice to me. Or, hmm, boy, they're really not something that's good for me. You know, and then we have to make new friends. So there's nothing wrong with that, but get on that. All right, the next topic or suggestion number 12 is to engage in what I call 
self-soothing activities. And I have seen uh, it also referred to that on the web. So what do I mean by self-soothing activities? Well, this involves you being awake and aware. Self-awareness, by the way, is part of having your emotions as a superpower because when you are self-aware, you're aware of yourself, you're aware of what makes you tick, then you're going to know what are the things that help you feel rested, rejuvenated, recharged. You're going to know what those things are. And I'm talking about healthy things, not unhealthy things. And there's a whole list of things that could be self-soothing for you. Like for myself, teaching my dog a new trick is always <laughs> it's always fun and it, you know, very self-soothing. Um, cooking, um, you know, walking, talking to a friend. There's lots of things that I do that, you know, listening to music, dancing, actually dancing to music while I'm cooking makes me, you know, it's very self-soothing. So what's helpful is for you to understand yourself enough to know what soothes you, what soothes your soul, what nurtures you, and then, you know, put that in your life when you need to. If you go to work on creating and building your life or your goals or your bucket list or your vision and you're up to those things, hopefully what you're going to notice is the amount of upset you have and the negativity is going to start to go down and down and down in your life. But self-soothe, figure it out, put it in your life. The next suggestion I have for you is to ask for help. I'm a super fan of asking for help. Now, I ask for help sometimes and I don't get it, but that's okay because I'll, I'll keep asking or I'll, or I'll figure, well, God doesn't want me to have help from that person right now or that person or, you know, I'm supposed to do something else. So I have kind of an attitude that it doesn't, you know, take me out of the game, but I don't think there should be any shame or embarrassment in asking for help. Because human beings aren't meant to be perfect, and we're not meant to do life alone. There's too much being alone. Of course, you know, we are in a pandemic with isolation and and loneliness, you know, on the rise. But, you know, those are things I actually address in another podcast. But it's part of the human condition to occasionally you know, need help or be in a position where you need help. And sometimes that includes psychotherapy. So if you need therapy, go get it. There's no shame in psychotherapy. There shouldn't be any, uh, you know, embarrassment. I mean, I think there's a societal stigma, but the truth, the reality is, according to research I've read, is that the most unhealthy people won't go near a therapy office because what is therapy? Well, it's basically you holding your, your life and how you live life under a microscope and saying, does it stand up? Because sometimes when people go into therapy, they go, I never realized that was not, you know, and then they can, you know, learn new things. So ask for help, get the help you need. And if, you know, you ask for help and nobody says yes, keep asking, ask a different way, try something else, just keep at it. The last thing I have is, is for you to recognize that you as a human being, that you can change. You are capable of changing. I don't care how old you are. I've, I've worked with people who are, you know, older than I am and I'm old. <laughs> I'm not afraid to say I'm old. Ah, I'm happy I'm old. It's much better than the alternative. 
But regardless of your age, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what's happened to you up until this moment, you can change. You absolutely can. You know how I know that? Because people have been doing it since the beginning of time. When you go back to some of the earliest writers in humanity, they're writing about people changing. They're writing about the, the nature of being human. They're writing about all kinds of things that we're still talking about. So people have been doing it literally for thousands of years. So I'm asking you to understand that you can do this. You can change. Now, whether you're willing or not, that's an entirely separate issue. You may be interested in change and unwilling. Well, then you're not willing. But if you're willing, you can do it. And I'm here to help you. So a couple takeaways. So life is more uncertain and challenging now than it's probably been in decades. Now, if you've had a very difficult life, that that statement may not apply to you because there are people, I don't know that they'd be listening to this podcast, but there are people who've had very traumatic and extremely devastating lives. And for them, life has been uncertain and hard and challenging for their whole life. But for people in general, this is more of an uncertain and challenging time. The second takeaway is that you can counterbalance any negativity and anything negative, and you can also learn how to thrive and flourish when times are uncertain or challenging. And number three, you can grow, you can change, and it's, it's something that's worthwhile. You won't ever get a better return on your investment than investing in yourself, learning new things, and growing as a person. So here's my call to action. It's time for you to change how you do life. It's time for you to be more functional. It's time for you to be happier. It's time for action. And it's time for you to grab a friend because that will make you more successful and implement the, the habits, the attitudes, the practices, the things that are going to give you the ability to be well-loved, happy, and healthy even while we're in uncertain times and challenging times. And my last call to action is that you share this podcast with your friends, your family, social media, People are struggling. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn. So help them. Thanks a bunch. Take care. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 22, How to Deal with Uncertain Times. I hope you're going to take the steps to soothe yourself, get in the game of life, even when life is uncertain and even when life is very difficult, you can be happy and flourish and I'm here to help you. Please connect with me on my website at www.lisaalundy to win cool prizes including my new book and connect with me on social media. I love you. I want you to be happy, healthy and well loved. Please let me know how I can help you. Take care. Bye for now.